Yahuwah be with you all, my brothers and sisters in the assembly. Praise be to our loving Abba for gathering us all together once again on this holy day of Sabbath. Beloved brethren, if there's ever a very important attitude coming from our King, Yahusha, that we must incorporate in our life, especially now in the world we live in, it is that of a peacemaker. You might say, why? Well, a peacemaker in the Bible is someone who would step in between two individuals or two parties who may have conflicts with each other. A peacemaker initiates reconciliation when others have wronged them. A peacemaker is quick to repent when they have wronged others. Now, these are just some examples of what a peacemaker should do. Now, just by these few examples alone, do you think the people of the world today would benefit from it considering the kind of world we live in now? Besides war between countries, we have political, racial, and even religious conflicts. That is why, as true followers of our King, Yahusha, we have learned that we must shine as lights of the world. And one way that we shall truly shine is to have the attitude or be attitude of being peacemaker. Why? Besides knowing that it is the right thing to do. And yes, we have to be great examples, beloved brethren. What? What is the main reason why our King Yahusha instructs us to develop and incorporate this attitude in our lives? Let us begin in our lesson by reading the book of Matthew, chapter 5, and the verse is 9. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What is another attitude that we must incorporate in our lives? It is that of a peacemaker. Now, why are we blessed if we are peacemakers, beloved brethren? Because we will be called the sons of God. That alone, beloved brethren, speaks volume. To be called the sons of God. Why? Why is it important to be called the sons of Allahim? Because we are representing whom? Yahuwah Abba. Yahuwah's ambassadors. So we should become more and more like his begotten son, Yahusha. But not just by position, but most of all, beloved brethren, by character. Isn't this what the world needs nowadays? Yes. The world is filled with conflict, hatred, violence, and war. What the world needs is a true peacemaker. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Two words. Let us break it down. Two words. Peace and maker. What is the first word? Peace means shalom in Hebrew. It is a broad term related to health, prosperity, harmony, and wholeness. It means perfect, welfare. Serenity, fulfillment, freedom from trouble, and liberation from anything which hinders contentment. The second word is what? Maker. This word bursting with energy, beloved brethren. It mandates action and initiative. Notice Yahusha did not say what? Blessed are the peace wishers, hopers, or peace dreamers, or the peace lovers, or peace talkers. Peace must be made. Peace never happens by chance. A peacemaker is never passive, beloved brethren. They always take the initiative. They are up and doing. 
one who actively pursues peace, strive for peace, beloved brethren. So then who, whom should we strive to make peace with? Here in Romans chapter 12, the verse is 18 down to 19. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. With whom should we strive to make peace with? With all men or with everyone. What did the Apostle Paul said? Apostle Paul said, if, if possible, what, should, what then should we focus on? The Bible also says, as it depends on you. Now, brethren, knowing that it depends on us, is it possible? Is it possible then to make peace to those who have wronged us? Or should we just make peace to those we like? What is one of the signs of spiritual growth? The ability to get along with others. Does it mean we will agree to everything, be a yes man? Of course not. But we agree, we can always agree to what? Disagree. Put in the effort to strive for peace. And once we have decided to make the effort for peace, remember this, beloved brethren, this is very, also a very important word. We must commit, commit ourselves to that peace, having the attitude of being a peacemaker. How important is it to make peace? And what example did our King Yahusha gave? Let us continue our lesson by reading the book of Matthew, chapter 5. The verse is 23 to 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to Yahuwah. How important is it to make peace with our fellow men? According to our king, it can affect our worship service unto God. Let me ask you this, beloved brethren. How important is your worship service to Yahuwah? Now, my brothers and sisters in the assembly, knowing what we know now as true disciples of our King Yahusha, in these last days, will you let your service to Yahuwah on this sacred day of Sabbath be affected because you are not willing to reconcile with someone? I hope not. Just like what the Apostle Paul says from the previous verse we just read. If, if it is possible, as depends on us, we have the ability to make that decision. And if we have the attitude of a peacemaker, then we will and we must reconcile and make peace with our fellow men. How and why must we strive for peace? Here in 1 Peter chapter 3, the verse is 10 to 11. As the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and wish to see good times, you must keep from speaking evil. And stop telling lies. You must turn away from evil and do good. You must strive for peace with all your heart. How can we strive for peace? Turn away from evil and do good. Evil 
my brothers and sisters, will always lead to lack of peace. What else? Control our tongue from speaking what? Evil and telling lies. Nowadays, not only must we control our tongue, but also control what? Peace. What do I mean by that? Our fingers. And I think you know what I mean by that. Because gossip and lies are posted all over the internet, particularly through social media. Now, maybe one day you're looking through Facebook or Instagram or IG, as they call it, and you see a negative post about someone we know. So what we do, we start reading the comments because it's all interesting to us. Reading all what's being said about a certain individual, right? So what do we do? Instead of creating peace, we make it worse by commenting and agreeing on what that negative post is. Do you know what's the total opposite of a peacemaker is, beloved brethren? What do you think what it is? It is what? An instigator. Why? What does an instigator do? They make things worse than they already are. That's what they do. Someone arguing, and instead of helping them by alleviating the situation, what do they do? They incite a person to take a course of action. Hence, making the situation worse. If it was a fire, instead of using water to put it away, they throw gasoline to make it worse. As the scripture says, as true disciples of our King Yahusha and a child of Yahuwah, we must always strive for peace with all our heart. What is the result of a peaceful life? As we have read, we will truly enjoy it and see good times. What else? What else must we strive for in order to enjoy life and see good times, my beloved brethren? Here, let us continue our lesson by reading the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, the verse is 8 to 9. To conclude, you must have the same attitude and the same feelings. Here they are, my beloved brother. Patient, pay attention to these. Love one another. Be kind and humble with one another. Do not pay back evil with evil or cursing with cursing. Instead, pay back with a blessing. Because a blessing is what God, Yahuwah, promised to give you when he calls you. What else must we strive for as children of God, beloved brethren? Love. Love each other and be humble. Now, what if we were insulted? What if you were insulted, my beloved brethren? What does it say? Do not pay back evil with evil. And yes, it's hard, my beloved brethren, to do that. But what should we do instead? We must pay back with a blessing. This beatitude of our King Yahusha is indeed a very important one. The Apostle Peter pretty much described it as all in a nutshell. What we must possess to be a peacemaker. What did he say? Love. Love one another. Be kind and humble. Do not repay evil with evil and pay back with a blessing. Beloved brethren, looking back from where we all came from, I know there was a time that maybe because of what happened to us, it was, it was hard for us to have 
it made it hard for us to have a feeling of being kind, humble, and love one another, let alone make peace, especially those who have done us wrong. But never forget, we, we are now the true children of our loving Yahuwah Elohim. True, true disciples of our Lord and Savior, King Yahusha. And our King says, if, if we truly are his true disciples or his true followers, then we must be willing to suffer along with him. And just remember, beloved brethren, remember this. No matter how hard you may think it is to forgive and make peace to those who have wronged us, we have wronged and committed sin to our loving Allahim, our loving Father all the time. And yet what? He forgave us and loved us. And brethren, I don't have to tell you how he proved it to us. Why? Because it's beyond, it's beyond our comprehension as humans, because we can never imagine such a sacrifice, let alone willingly doing it to our own child. But our loving Father in heaven did it. What did he do? He sacrificed his begotten son, his beloved son, whom he loved so much so that we may be forgiven and be made right with him. Our King and Lord Yahusha suffered a very excruciating death for us, beloved brethren. So knowing all of that, should we at least do our best to do the same, to have the same attitude and feelings as our King? Loving one another, being kind and humble with one another, and not paying back evil with evil, rather pay back with a blessing? In other words, do our best in embracing this beatitude, have the attitude of our king, such that of a peacemaker. Because a blessing, beloved brethren, is what Yahuwah, our God, promised to give when he called each and every one of us. Our lesson will now be continued by our brother. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Praises be to our loving Father that we are able to again study his words and his commands. Today we're studying the seventh beatitude, which is really the last of the attitudes that we need to possess so that we can become more and more like Yahusha. And so when we look at the Beatitudes, it continues to rely on the previous one. It builds and builds and builds so that we can possess the ultimate one, which is to be peacemakers. Now, we told you, according to the Apostle Peter, that for one to be a peacemaker requires that we are able to, re, uh, to give back blessing even when we are cursed, even when we are insulted, which is related to what our King Yahusha once said, that for those to be called sons and daughters of Allahim, the Father, we need to be able to love even those who hate us. It's not easy to do, but for one to become a true son and daughter of Allahim, we need to practice this kind of love. This kind of love results in becoming a peacemaker. And so we need to incorporate this attitude in our life, 
because whether we like it or not, we're going to confront people who are different from us. We're going to be encountering people who have different opinions. And so if we do not know how to handle ourselves, then instead of having and maintaining peace, there's going to be hostility, there's going to be argument, and we are going to uh, be divided and we are going to be destroyed by the enemy. So we need to know how to establish peace amongst each other and to maintain that peace. Now, who is a good example of one who was able to establish and maintain peace? Let's read the book of Genesis, chapter 26, 12 to 14. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more gain than he planted, for Yahuwah blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him, who is a good example of one who was able to establish peace and maintain it throughout his life. One of the patriarchs, his name is Isaac. If you still remember, there were three major patriarchs. Who were they? We have Abraham, we have Isaac, and we have Jacob. Now, when we speak of the three great patriarchs, most people know Abraham, know Jacob. When it comes to Isaac, well, they don't really know too much about his life. That's because, for a lack of a better word, it was pretty boring and normal compared to Abraham and Jacob. That's because of the three patriarchs, Isaac lived the, the most peaceful life. Because when you look at Abraham, his life was filled with exploits, right? And we know about some of the sins of Abraham. When we look at Jacob, we know how he started, how he connived to be able to get the, the birthright from his brother Esau. Right? And so it's filled with drama, excitement. But when you look at the life of Isaac, compared to Abraham, compared to Jacob, it's pretty mundane, <laughs> pretty boring, to, for lack of a better word. Because he lived a life with peace. He was at peace with his fellow human beings. Well, how was he able to maintain that peace? This is what we're going to look into, a case study in the life of Isaac. What does the Bible say about Isaac? The Bible says, Yahuwah blessed him. And because Yahuwah blessed him, what happened to Isaac? Bible says he became very rich. Not only did he become very rich, his wealth continued to grow. And so he was prospering. He was in peace all throughout his life. Unfortunately, when people grow in prosperity, there are people who become jealous. Is that true? Sometimes you're minding your own business and people who see that Yahuwah has blessed your life, they begin to talk, they begin to chatter, and so they begin to become jealous. Who are examples of those who became jealous of the blessing that Yahuwah gave to Isaac? The Philistines. So the Philistines were jealous of Isaac because Yahuwah blessed Isaac immensely. And so what did they do because of their jealousy? Let's read what it says in 15 down to 16. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's well with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac 
to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. And so because of the jealousy, what did the Philistines do? Perhaps by the order of the king of the Philistines, his name was Abimelech. What did they do with the wells of Isaac? Bible says the Philistines, well, they filled up Isaac's well with dirt. Now, if your well is filled up with dirt, you're basically making it useless. And the wells of the people during the days of the patriarchs that represented their livelihood and also the basic necessities of life. Because during those days, if you wanted water, well, you had to go to the well to be able to drink water for yourself and for your camels. For your livestock. They had lots of livestock. That's how they were blessed. And so they relied heavily on the wells. And so for a person to fill up your wells with dirt, it's basically destroying, right, your livelihood. Removing the ability for you to be able to take care of yourself and your family and your cat and your livestock. That's what they essentially did to Isaac. And what else do they say to Isaac? Abimelech orders Isaac to leave the country. So not only do they shut up the livelihood of Isaac, they tell Isaac and the people with him to leave, to get out of here. Now, if you were Isaac and this happened to you, what would you do? Well, as a normal human response is to fight for your rights, right? I mean, there's, good, uh, there's reason to fight for our rights. There are times when we do have to stand up, depending on the situation. But in this situation, what did Isaac decide to do? Well, let's read what it says in verses 17 and 19. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. And so what did Isaac decide to do? When he was confronted by Abimelech and the Philistines filled their wells with dirt instead of retaliating and arguing. What did they do? The Bible says Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley. Brethren, take note of what was required for Isaac to be able to make this decision. He had to do, he had to give up a lot, right? This is why we can say. One of the things required for someone who's a peacemaker is to be willing to make sacrifices, to be able to give up something for the sake of peace. And so we have to measure what do I prefer, you know, what I'm trying to fight for or peace. For Isaac, peace was worth it. And so what did he do? He left everything behind. He went to the Gerar Valley. And in the Gerar Valley, what did they do? They dug up. In the Gerar, they dug up in the Gerar Valley a well of fresh water. You see, there's something we need to understand. You know who's always watching? There's someone always watching what we do and what we say. Who do you think that is? Yahuwah, right? You might say to yourself, well, if I do not fight for this, it's not fair. Yahuwah knows what's fair. Yahuwah knows what's right. Let us give everything into the hands of Yahuwah. That's what Isaac did. You see, that's the foundation of being a peacemaker. It's the ability to give to Yahuwah what ought to be done when people do wrong against us. Instead of trying to 
take matters into your own hands, right? And fighting against people who try and who wrong you and do negative things against you. He gave it to the hands of Abba. And what did Yahuwah do? Yahuwah allowed them to discover a well of fresh water. So they started anew. But what happened after this? Let's keep reading. 20 to 21. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. And so here Isaac and his men, they go to the Gerar Valley. And there they discover a new well of fresh water. So far, so good. Praises be to our loving Abba. But of course, in life, there's always going to be challenges, right? It doesn't matter how long we are living. It doesn't matter where we go, whether it be in the Philippines or in Europe or in the United States. It doesn't matter where we go. When we are with and amongst people, there's always the potential for a lack of peace. And so here's what happened. So they have their wells, and who comes along and claims it? The shepherds from Gorar. Question, who did the work on the well? Isaac and his men. Who discovered the well? Isaac and his men. And so here comes the shepherds from Gerar. And what do they say? They said, this is our water. So they claim as theirs what belonged to Isaac and his men. That's why they called that well um, Essek, which means argument, right? It's a good thing that Isaac stepped in because his men were kind of having an argument with these people from Gerar. And so as a peacemaker, instead of allowing the problem to brew, and resulting in probably a lot of killing, what did Isaac do? Let's just move on. <laughs> and so Isaac moves on, and they go to find another well, right? But what did they do upon finding another well? The Bible says, again, the shepherds from Gerar, they argue, they become hostile, and they again claim, wait a minute, Isaac, that doesn't belong to you. That belongs to us. Yes, you did a lot of work, but it still belongs to us. And so what we find here is, again and again and again, Isaac is losing out because people are taking advantage of him. Perhaps here at this well, which was called Sitna, which, by the way, means what? Hostility. Maybe this is the last straw, the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. Maybe this is it. Now, what Isaac is going to do is to act in revenge. Is that what he did? How did he handle this situation? Can you imagine being kicked out by Abimelech, right? Filling their wells with dirt and then going to a new place, finding a well, and then 
have people claim it for themselves, not once, but twice. So this would be three times, right? And so what does Isaac do? Let's read Genesis 26, 22, abandoning that one. Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last, Yahuwah has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And so when Isaac was confronted by the shepherds of Gerar, who claims that the wells that they dug belonged to them, what did Isaac do? Again, he stepped away and dug another well. Was that easy to do? Probably not. What would you have done if you were in Isaac's position? Brothers and sisters in the faith, oftentimes or sometimes you hear from this pulpit, it is better to be kind and walk away than it is to insist that you were right. Here, Isaac says, let's just move along because we have Yahuwah who can provide for our needs. Beloved brethren, it is impossible for us to be peacemakers unless we trust Yahuwah. You see, at the foundation of becoming a peacemaker, at the foundation of being able to love even your enemies, even those who speak insults and who speak against you, to be able to love them and pray for them requires trust in who? Yahuwah. Isaac could not have been a peacemaker unless he had trust in Yahuwah. Let's just walk away. Let's just go to a new place. Yahuwah knows what's happening, and Yahuwah will bless us. And so what happened when they left Gerar? When they dug another well, Bible says they found another well, and this time there was no dispute over it. And so what do they call that well? Rehoboth, right? What does that mean? Open space. You know, that name Rehoboth in the Bible uh, gives us the meaning of this well, open space. And when we go back to the other wells that they have dug up, which was called hostility and argument, when you have hostility and argument, do you have peace? You don't have peace. But here, when there's open space, what do we have? Peace. And so for the peacemaker, he recognizes, he understands what are called healthy boundaries, right? You see, as human beings, we all have our own personal space. And depending on what culture you were raised in, if you are, for example, in the Far East or in the, the Western uh, nations, there are different kinds, there are different expressions and different boundaries, different levels of personal space, right? For example, in the Philippines, personal space is not too much. But here in the United States, personal space is like a lot bigger. And so we need to understand boundaries. We need to give people space. Why? Because they don't feel comfortable when their space has been intruded upon. And so when, because we are an assembly, we belong to each other, right? Especially if there's a fellowship group. To maintain peace, we need to always observe and respect proper boundaries. 
because if we will not uh, we will not observe proper boundaries, what will happen? Arguments and hostility. This is why, brothers and sisters, we need to respect each other's privacy. We need to respect each other's personal space and practice boundaries because this is the insight that this story tells us so that we can not only be peacemakers, but we can also maintain the peace with one another. This is why in the beatitude of our King Yahusha, he says to us, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called what? The children of Allahim. One might say, that's difficult for me to do. And that's probably true. It's not natural for us that when we are insulted, we return with a blessing, right? It's not natural for us to love even our enemies. But the Bible says it can be done. But how can it be done? How can we be peacemakers and peace maintainers as the people of Elohim? Let's read the final, let's read Genesis 26 to 29. This is what it says. One day, King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuzath, and also Pekal, his army commander. Why have you come here? I, Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. They replied, we can plainly see that Yahuwah is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us. Just as we have never troubled you, we have always treated you well and sent you away from us in peace. And now look how Yahuwah has blessed you. And so when Isaac was practicing peacemaking, what did Yahuwah do with his life? Yahuwah blessed him even more. So much who took notice of it. Abimelech. And so the king of the Philistines when he observed the life of Isaac, when he walked away, when he made peace, when he did what was good and kind, instead of acting in revenge, Yahuwah, who watches all things, he blesses the life of Isaac even more. And so even the king realized, we better not trouble Isaac. Because Yahuwah is with him. You see, brothers and sisters, when we place our trust in Yahuwah and we say to our father, Father, this is my trouble, but I choose to do the kind thing. I choose to do what you want. I give my life into your hands. When we have that kind of attitude, when we surrender uh, all, any kind of judgment to Yahuwah, when we surrender our life to Yahuwah, he will bless us. It's impossible for a son and daughter of Allahim not to be blessed when they place their trust in the hands of our father. And this is why when Abimelech goes to Isaac and says to Isaac, let's make a covenant. You know what Isaac did? He threw a party for Abimelech. And after that party, they all left in peace. This is the man who was a peace lover. He was a peacemaker. 
And we can learn so much from the life of Isaac. And even if, even though we're human beings, how can we be like Isaac? How can we be true peacemakers? Let's read the final passage of our studies today in the book of Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Yahusha, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Yahushua Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, according to what we read, there's a way for us to be able to become peacemakers. What is that way? We need to go to Yahuwah Shalom, the God of peace. Yahuwah was the first peacemaker. Do you know what Yahuwah did to make peace with us? Even though we are guilty, even though we deserve to be punished, to be destroyed because of our sin, Yahuwah so that he can bring peace in our life. Yahuwah, so that we can have peace with him, even while we were enemies. What did Yahuwah do? He took the initiative. You notice that? Peacemakers, they take the initiative. Yahuwah knows. We as human beings, because of our sin, we are his enemies, deserving his wrath. But Yahuwah steps in and says, I'm going to find a way so that you can be at peace with me. You know what Yahuwah did? He gave up his own son, Yahusha HaMashiach, to die on the cross, to establish an eternal covenant through his blood. Not only is Yahuwah the first peacemaker, Yahuwah expressed his love. You see, love and peacemaking, they go together. And Yahuwah showed us a perfect example of that. He gave up his son when he didn't have to. He gave up his son for the sake of his enemies, that they might be reconciled, that they might be his friends, that they might be his sons and daughters. And although our King Yahusha died on the cross, Yahuwah raised him back to life. That's the power of Yahuwah that resides in the power of Yahusha. And the Bible says for us to be able to do the will of Abba, which is to be a peacemaker. We must rely on that same power. That's the power that could resurrect the dead. That's the power that's made available to us. Because Yahuwah, when he gives us a commandment, he's also going to give us the ability to carry out that commandment. Yahuwah is not unjust and unkind. That he will tell us to be a peacemaker. That he will tell us to love even your enemies. When he will not equip us with the ability to do so, he will. We just need to ask for, for it from our father, Yahuwah, and from his son, Yahusha. Let us ask for the spirit. Let us ask for the power to carry out the will of Abba. Let us ask, Yahuwah, please. Father, help me to be like you. Help me to love my enemies. Help me to help those who insult me. Help me to practice peacemaking because I want to be called a true son and daughter of Elohim. That's the greatest blessing, to be a true son, to be a true daughter of Yahuwah, not just by name, 
but my character. Because those who are true sons and daughters of Elohim are the ones who are able to make peace even with those who insult them and do wrong against them. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray. Everlasting Abba, Yahuwah Almighty, every time we ponder, meditate upon what you have done, it continues to overwhelm us, your unfailing love. Father, it cannot be comprehended by human minds, but we can experience it from time to time. When we open our hearts to you, when we feel your love in us, we who deserve your wrath, we who have become your enemies, despite all of that, Father, you have been kind. You have given us peace. Peace we do not deserve. Father, teach us to become like you. Help us to practice peacemaking. Help us to tolerate each other's attitudes and negativities. Help us that we may learn to forgive. Teach us that we may be humble and kind. Help us, loving Abba, that we will do what you want by the power that has resurrected your son. Oh, Father in heaven, we belong to the assembly of Yahushua. There will be times when words will be misspoken, misinterpreted, and misunderstood. It may bring chaos and disagreements and hostility. But you are Yahuwah Shalom. Father, may you help us to practice peace. May you fill us with your spirit and teach us to respect each other, including practicing healthy boundaries. Our King Yahushua, we belong to you. You are our King. Please, Mashiach Yahushua, may you always dwell in our hearts. Teach us to become like you. In everything that we do, there's so much to learn. As we learn more and more about your teachings, may it transform our attitudes. We do not simply want to know about these teachings. We want our minds to be like yours, our hearts to be like yours. Please, merciful Yahushua, be kind to each one of us that we may practice peacemaking in our homes in our life, wherever we may go. Father, we trust you. Everything that happens in our life, it will move us to look up to you. Without you, we can do nothing, but you provide all things. And so we ask you now, as brothers and sisters in the faith, may you heal your people. Many of us are afflicted with sickness of some kind. We know this is going to happen because our bodies are not yet glorious. Father, as we endure these physical pains, we ask you to comfort your people. Give us hope, O Abba. Heal us of our sicknesses. Do not allow it to prevent us from worshiping you the best way we can. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. You have blessed our children. You have blessed our parents, our family and loved ones. We ask and beg everything. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.